Section 14 of Sasha. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Sasha by Alexander Kuprin. Translated by Douglas Ashby. Section 14. The Jewess. We've passed it. Passed it. A child's feeble voice rang pitifully. Right, shouted an angry bass behind. To the right, right, right! Gaily and swiftly sounded a chorus in front. Someone ground his teeth. Someone whistled piercingly. A band of dogs broke into a thin bark, at once angry and joyful. Ooh, ha, ha, ha! The whole crowd laughed and groaned alternately. The sled was tossed up and plunged into a hollow of the road. Gashitsev opened his eyes. What's this? he asked with a start but the road remained deserted and voiceless. The frosty night was silent above the endless dead-white fields. The full moon was in the middle of the sky, and a fully outlined dark blue shadow sliding along the sledge, broken by the open snowdrifts, seemed squat and monstrous. The dry elastic snow squeaked like India rubber beneath the runners. Ah, but that's the snow squeaking, Kashintsev thought. How odd, he said aloud the sound of his voice the driver turned round his dark face the beard and moustache whitened under the frost looked like the mask of some rough wild animal plastered over with cotton wool what two more verse nothing much said the driver this is snow kashintsev was thinking once more yielding to drowsiness it's only snow how strange 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 lisped one of the little sledge bells restlessly and distinctively strange 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 oh 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 just look a woman shouted in front of the sledge the crowd that was coming in a mass to meet him all started talking at once crying and singing once more as though roused to fury the dogs barked somewhere in the distance a locomotive drone and immediately in spite of his drowsiness kashintsev recalled with extraordinary vividness the station buffet with its pitiful dusty display clusters of electric burners under a dirty ceiling, the soiled walls broken by enormous windows, artificial palms on the tables, stiffly folded napkins, electroplate vases, bouquets of dry feathery grass, pyramids of bottles, pink and green liqueur glasses. All that was last night. His medical colleagues were seeing him off. Kashintsev had just been appointed to a new post, that of junior doctor in a far-off infantry regiment. They were a party of five, and they dragged the heavy station chairs round to the doctor's usual table in the corner. They drank beer and talked with a forced heartiness and assumed animation, as if they were acting a seeing-off scene on the stage. The handsome and self-assured ruler, his eyes flashing in an exaggerated way, glancing round for applause and talking so that strangers could hear him, said in his familiar affected speech, that's it old man our whole life from birth to death consists only of meeting and seeing one another off you can write this down as a souvenir in your notebook evening aphorisms and maxims of dr von Ruhl. he had scarcely finished speaking when the fat railway official with the face of an angry bulldog showed himself at the door shaking his bell and shouting in a sing-song voice with abrupt stops and chokes first bell kiev jemerinka Odess, the train is on the second platform, and now squatting uncomfortably on the low sleet of the tugging sledge, Kashintsev laughed aloud from pleasure. So much bright and clear were these recollections. 
but immediately the tiring relentless impression of the endlessness of this dreary road returned to him from the moment when in the morning he had alighted at the small railway station to get into this post sledge only six or seven hours had elapsed but he seemed to have been driving like this for whole weeks or months he seemed to have had time to change to grow older duller and more indifferent to everything since the day before somewhere on the way he had met a beggar drunk and in rags with a broken nose and a shoulder naked to the frost somewhere he had seen a long thin horse with an arched neck and a chocolate-covered thick velvety coat plunging and refusing to be harnessed someone it seemed had said pleasantly a long long time ago the road is good to-day your honour you'll be there before you have time to look round kashintsev at that moment had been contemplating the snow-plain which was reddened by the evening sunset but now all this was muddled and had receded into a kind of troubled unreal distance so that it was impossible to remember where when in what order it had all happened from time to time a light sleep would close his eyes and then to his befogged senses there would become audible strange shrieks grindings barks shouts laughs and mumblings but he would open his eyes and the fantastic sounds would transform themselves into the simple squeaks of the sledge runners and the tinkling of the sledge bells while to right and left the sleeping white fields extended now as always and in front of him protruded the black bent back of the driver and still the horses haunches moved regularly as they swished to right and left their knotted tails where shall i take you your honour to the post office or to the shelter the driver asked Kashintsev raised his head he was driving now along a straight street in a village the beaten-down road in front gleamed in the moonlight like burnished blue steel on both sides of the road dark piteous little houses overladen by their heavy snow hats peeped out of the dark white drifts the village seemed to have died out of existence not a dog barked there were no lights in the windows no one could be seen on the road there was something terrible and sad in this numbness of human habitations that lost in the deep snow appeared to nestle fearfully against each other what's that the shelter kashintsev asked your honour doesn't know mosha katskel's shelter gentlemen always stop there you can get tea eggs a snack of some kind one can spend the night there too there are five rooms well all right let's go to the shelter now for the first time at the thought of food and warm lodgings kashintsev realized how very cold and hungry he had become and the low blind little houses buried in the snow were still coming to meet him and still receding and it seemed that there would be no end to them when shall we get there kashintsev asked impatiently very soon it's a long village a verst and a half now young ones the driver shouted ferociously at the horses in his raucous voice and raised himself slightly he whirled his knout over his head and tugged at the reins in the distance a red spot of light was discernible and began to grow now hidden by some unseen obstacle now flashing out again at last the horses like toys whose windings had run down stopped on their own accord at the traveller's house and at once weakly lowered their heads to the ground the vaulted semicircular entrance formed an enormous gaping corridor through the whole house but further on in the yard brightly lit up by the moon one could see carts with their shafts raised straw strewn on the snow and the silhouettes of horses under the flat sheds 
on each side of the yard entrance two windows covered with snow shone with a warm inviting light someone opened the door which squeaked piercingly on its hinges and kashitzev entered a room white clouds of frosty air which apparently had been waiting just for this rushed behind him in a mad whirl at first kashitzev could distinguish nothing his spectacles were immediately covered with vapour and he could see in front of him only two shiny blurred rainbow circles the driver who had followed him shouted listen movsha here's a gentleman for you where are you from somewhere or other there emerged a short thick-set light-bearded jew in a high cap and a knitted tobacco-coloured waistcoat as he came he munched something and wiped his mouth hurriedly with his hand good evening your honour good evening he said amicably and at once with an air of compassion he shook his head and smacked his lips tiss 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 how frozen your honour is good gracious just let me take your coat i'll hang it on a nail will your honour order tea perhaps something to eat oh how frozen your honour is thank you yes yashintzev ejaculated his lips were so shrivelled from cold that he moved them with difficulty his chin had become motionless as though it didn't belong to him and his feet seemed to him soft weak and sensitive as if in cotton wool when his spectacles had quite thought he looked round it was a large room with crooked windows and an earthen floor plastered with pale blue lime which here and there had fallen out in large chunks leaving the wooden shingles bare along the walls narrow benches were stretched and wet slanting tables greasy from age almost under the very ceiling a lamp was burning the smaller back part of the room was partitioned off by a many-coloured chintz curtain from which there emanated the odour of dirty beds children's clothes and some sort of acrid food in front of the curtain a wooden counter extended at one of the tables opposite kashintsev sat a peasant in a brown ukrainian overcoat and a sheepskin cap his untidy head leaning on his sprawling elbows he was drunk with a heavy helpless drunkenness and he rolled his head on the table hiccuping and blubbering out something incomprehensible in a hoarse soaked bubbling voice what are you going to give me to eat kashintsev asked i feel very hungry katskel hunched his shoulders up spread his hands apart winked with his left eye and remained in this position for several seconds what am i going to give his honour to eat he repeated with a sly penetrating air and what does his honour want one can get everything one can put the samovar on one can cook eggs one can get milk well you understand yourself your honour what is to be got in such a scabby village one can cook a chicken but that will take a very long time give me eggs and milk and what else what else katskel seemed surprised i could offer your honour a stuffed jewish fish but perhaps your honour doesn't like jewish cooking you know an ordinary jewish fish which my wife prepares on the sabbath give me fish too and a liqueur glass of vodka please the jew closed both his eyes shook his head and smacked his lips with an air of consternation no vodka he whispered you know yourself how strict they are nowadays are you going far your honour to gaussiatin may i ask if your honour is in the police service no i'm a doctor an army doctor ah his honour is a doctor that's very nice on my conscience i am very sorry that i can't get you any vodka still etlia he shouted moving away from the table etlia he disappeared behind the curtain and spoke rapidly in yiddish as though he were angry after this he kept on appearing and disappearing and apparently bustled about a great deal 
by this time the peasant who was sprawling at the table raised his head and with his wet mouth wide open and his eyes glassy began to sing hoarsely with a snapping gurgling in his throat katskell rushed up to him and shook him by the shoulder trotkim listen trotkim i've asked you again and again not to yell like this his honour there is getting angry well you've had a drink and all is well god give you happiness and just you go quietly home trot him sheenies the peasant suddenly howled in a terrible voice and he banged his fist on the table with all his might sheenies you devil's spawn i'll kill he fell heavily face forward on the table still jabbering katskell with a pale face sprang away from the table his lips grimaced in a scornful but at the same time troubled and helpless smile you see your honour what my bread's like he said bitterly addressing kashintsev tell me what i can do with a fellow like that what can i do etlia he shouted in the direction of the curtain when are you going to serve his honour once more he dived into the curtain part of the room and immediately returned with a dish on which lay a fish cut in thin slices and covered with a dark sauce he also brought back a large white loaf with a thick solid crust speckled with black grains of some aromatic seasoning your honour katskell said mysteriously my wife in there has found some vodka taste it it's a good fruit vodka we drink it at our easter and it's called easter vodka there he drew from his waistcoat a tiny narrow-necked decanter and a liqueur glass which he placed in front of kashintsev the vodka was of yellowish colour and had a slight smell of cognac but when the doctor had swallowed a glass of it it seemed to him that all his mouth and throat had been filled with some burning scented gas he felt at once in his stomach a sensation of cold and then of a gentle warmth and he was seized with a terrific appetite the fish proved to be extremely good and so spiced that it made his tongue smart how do they prepare it the cautious thought flashed through his brain and then and there he laughed aloud as he recalled one of dr von Ruhl's familiar evening aphorisms one must never think about one eats or whom one loves katskell was standing at a little distance his hands folded behind his back apparently guessing the train of kashintsev's thoughts he said with an obliging and kind expression perhaps your honour imagines that this is prepared in some dirty way no such thing our jewish women do everything according to the holy books and everything is written there how to clean how to cut it and when to wash one's hands and if it isn't done just like that it is considered a sin your honour must eat his fill etlia bring in more fish from behind the curtain a woman appeared and stood at the counter covering her head with a large grey shawl when kashintsev turned toward her he had the impression of receiving an invisible blow in the chest and of a cold hand squeezing his palpitating heart not only had he never seen such a dazzling superb perfect beauty but he had not even dared to dream that there existed such in the world before when he happened to see the little heads of beautiful women in the pictures of well-known artists he was inwardly convinced that these regular faultless features had no existence in nature but were the mere fictions of a creative imagination all the more surprising and unreal then was this dazzling beautiful face which he now beheld in a dirty lodging-house reeking with the odours of unclean habitation in this bare empty cold room behind the counter close to a drunken snoring peasant who hiccuped in his sleep who is this kashintsev asked in a whisper there this he was on the point of saying sheeny from habit but he checked himself and substituted this woman 
who that Catskell asked negligently with a nod in her direction that your honour is my wife how beautiful she is Catskell gave a short laugh and shrugged his shoulders scornfully your honour is mocking me he asked reproachfully what is she a poor ordinary jewess and nothing else hasn't your honour seen really beautiful women in great cities etlia he turned to his wife and said something rapidly in yiddish at which she suddenly burst out laughing her white regular teeth gleaming and she moved one shoulder so high that she seemed to want to rub her cheek against it is your honour a bachelor or married katzkel asked with wheedling prudence no i'm a bachelor why do you ask no it's just like this so your honour is a bachelor and how is it your honour that a solid learned man like you wouldn't marry oh that's a long story for many reasons still i don't think it's too late even now i'm not so old am i katzkel suddenly moved up close to the doctor glanced round the room with a frightened air and said lowering his voice mysteriously and perhaps your honour will spend the night here don't be afraid please the best gentlemen always stop here yes the best gentlemen and the officers no i must hurry on there's no time but katzkel with a cunning penetrating and tempting air half closed one eye after the other and continued to insist it would be better on my word to stay your honour how can your honour go in such cold as this may god strike me dead if i'm not speaking the truth just listen to what i'm going to tell you your honour there is a retired governess here a swift mad thought flashed through Gajintsev's head he took a stealthy glance at etlia who indifferently as though not understanding what the talk was about between her husband and his guest was gazing out through the powdered white window the next instant he felt ashamed leave me alone get out curtly ordered Gajintsev. it was not so much through Kotzkel's words as through his expression that he understood his drift but he could not get angry as probably he would have considered it his duty to get angry under other circumstances the warmth of the room after a long cold journey had made his body soft and tender his head was swimming quietly and gently from the vodka his face was burning pleasantly he was inclined to sit still without moving he experienced a languid sensation of satiety warmth and a slight drunkenness he refused to think of the fact that in a few minutes he must again enter the sledge and continue his dull endless frosty route and in this curious happy light-headed condition it gave him an inexpressible pleasure from time to time as if by chance as if deceiving himself to rest his eyes on the beautiful face of the jewess and think about her not merely vaguely but in formulated words as though he were talking with some invisible person can one describe this face to any one he asked himself can one transmit in ordinary pale everyday language those amazing features those tender bright colours now she is almost facing me how pure how astoundingly delicate is the line that goes from the temple to the ear and then downward to the chin marking the contour of the cheek the forehead is low with fine downy hair on each side how charming and feminine and effective this is the dark eyes are enormous so black and enormous that they appear made up and in them close to the pupils living transparent golden dots shine like spots of light and yellow topaz the eyes are surrounded by a dark scarcely defined shadow and it is impossible to trace this dark shadow which gives the glance such a lazy and passionate expression into the tawny deep colour of the cheeks 
the lips are red and full and though they are closed just now they have the appearance of being open of offering themselves on the slightly shaded upper lip there is a pretty mole just at the corner of the mouth what a straight noble nose and what fine proud nostrils my dear beautiful one Kajinsev kept repeating to himself and so overcome was he that he wanted to cry from the ecstasy and tenderness which had seized hold of him compressing his chest and tickling his eyes above the bright tawny colour of the cheeks brown stripes of dried dirt were visible but to Kachinsev it seemed like no kind of negligence could disfigure this triumphant blossoming beauty he also noticed when she came out from behind the counter that the hem of her short pink chintz skirt was wet and dirty flapping heavily at every step on her feet were enormous worn-out boots with flaps sticking out at each side he noticed that sometimes when talking to her husband she quickly pulled the tip of her nose with two fingers making as she did so a snorting noise and then just as quickly passed her index finger under her nose for all that nothing vulgar or funny or pitiful could spoil her beauty what does happiness consist of kashintsev asked himself and he answered immediately the unique happiness is to possess a woman like this to know that this divine beauty is yours hum it's a trivial army word to possess but what compared to this is all the rest of life a career ambition philosophy celebrity convictions social questions in a year or two or three perhaps i shall marry my wife will be from a noble family a lean girl with light eyebrows and curls on her forehead educated and hysterical with narrow hips and a cold bluish figure pimpled all over like a plucked hen she will play the piano talk on current questions and suffer from feminine maladies and both of us mere male and female will feel towards each other indifference if not disgust and perhaps the whole goal the whole purpose the whole joy of my life consists by any means true or untrue in taking possession of a woman like this stealing her taking her away seducing her what does it matter even if she is dirty ignorant undeveloped greedy god in heaven what trifles these are compared with her miraculous beauty katsel approached kazintsev once more thrust his hands into his trouser pockets and sighed do you happen to have read the papers he asked with hesitating politeness is there anything new about the war everything is just the same we retreat we are being beaten however i haven't read the papers to-day gajintsev answered your honour hasn't read them what a pity we here you know live in the steppes and learn nothing of what is going on in the world they've been writing too about the zionists has your honour heard that there has been a congress of them in paris certainly of course gajintsev looked at him more closely under his external cunning one detected something starved and puny which spoke of poverty humiliation and bad food his long neck above his worsted scarf was thin and of a dirty yellow colour on it two long strained veins with an indentation between them struck out on each side of his throat what is your ordinary occupation here kajintsev asked seized with a sense of guilty pity well Katsko shrugged his shoulders hopelessly and scornfully what can a poor jew do within the pale we scratch a living somehow or other we buy and sell when there's a market we fight each other for the last little morsel of bread eh what can one say is anyone interested in knowing how we suffer here 
he waved his hand wearily and withdrew behind the curtain while kazintsev resumed once more his interrupted thoughts these thoughts were like the moving multicolored images which come to one in the morning when one is on the border between sleep and awakening thoughts which before one wakes up completely seem so fantastically malleable and at the same time full of such deep importance kazintsev had never experienced such pleasure in dreaming as he did now mollified by the warmth and the sense of satiety leaning with his back against the wall and stretching his legs straight in front of him in this pleasure a sort of not very well defined spot in the design of the many-coloured curtain had a great significance he had unfailingly to find it with his eyes stopping at it after which his thoughts of their own accord began to flow evenly freely and harmoniously without any obstruction of the brain cells thoughts that leave no trace behind them and bring with them a kind of quiet caressing joy and then everything would disappear in a pale bluish hesitating fog the papered walls of the lodging-house its crooked tables its dirty counter there would remain only the beautiful face which Kazintsev saw and even felt in spite of the fact that he was not looking at it but at the vague indistinguishable spot in the curtain what an extraordinary unattainable race these jews are he was thinking what is the jew fated to experience in the future he has gone through decades of centuries without mixing with anyone else disdainfully isolating himself from all other nations hiding in his heart the old sorrow and the old flame of the centuries the vast varied life of rome of greece of egypt had long ago become the possession of museums had become a delirium of history a far-off fairy tale but this mysterious type which was already a patriarch when these others were infants not only continues to exist but has kept his strong ardent southern individuality has kept his faith with its great hopes and its trivial rites has kept the holy language of his inspired divine books has kept his mystical alphabet from the very form of which there vibrates the spell of thousands of years what has the jew experienced in these days of his youth with whom has he traded and signed treaties against whom has he fought nowhere has a trace been left of his enigmatic enemies from all those philistines amalekites moabites and other half mythical people while he supple and undying still lives on as though indeed fulfilling someone's supernatural prediction his history is permeated by tragic awe and is stained throughout by his own blood centuries of prison violence hatred slavery torture the funeral pyre deportation the denial of all human rights how could he remain alive or have the fates of a people indeed their own incomprehensible goals that are forever hidden from us how can we know perhaps it pleased some higher force that the jews having lost their own country should play the role of a perpetual leaven in the gigantic fermentation of the world there stands this woman whose face reflects a divine beauty that inculcates a holy enthusiasm for how many thousands of years must her people have refrained from mixing with any other race to preserve these amazing biblical features with the same plain fichu on the head with the same deep eyes and sorrowful line near the lips they paint the mother of jesus christ with the same pure charm shone the gloomy judith the sweet ruth the tender leah the beautiful rachel and hagar and sarah looking at her you believe feel and almost see how this people reverts 
in its stupendous genealogy back to moses to abraham and higher still higher straight back to the great terrible avenging biblical god with whom was i discussing not long ago kashinzev suddenly remembered i was discussing the jews i think with the staff colonel in the train no it was with the town director from stepany he was saying the jews have grown decrepit the jews have lost their nationality and their country the jewish people must degenerate because it is penetrated by no drop of fresh blood there are only two courses left to it either to become fused with other nationalities renewing its sap in them or perish yes then i could find no reply but now i should bring him up to this woman behind the counter and say there it is just look at the security for the immortality of the jewish people Kotzko may be puny pitiful and sickly i admit that the eternal struggle for life has stamped upon his face the cruel traces of cheating cowardice and distrust for thousands of years he has been scratching a living somehow or other has been stifling in different ghettos but the jewish woman guards ever the type and spirit of the race carries carefully through streams of blood under the yoke of violence the holy fire of the national genius and will never allow it to be extinguished as i look at her there i feel the black abyss of centuries opening itself behind her there is a miracle a divine mystery here oh what am i in her eyes i the barbarian of yesterday the intellectual of today what am i in her eyes what am i in comparison with this living enigma perhaps the most inexplicable and the greatest in the history of humanity suddenly kashensev came to himself there was a certain agitation in the lodging-house kotzkel was running from one window to another and with his palms pressed against his temples was trying to distinguish something in the darkness outside etlia disgusted and angry was pulling the collar of the drunken peasant who still kept lifting and lowering his red senseless face swollen with sleep with pouches under the lids while he snorted savagely trochem listen well trochem i say to you get up the jewish was urging impatiently murdering the ukrainian language hush the police inspector kotzkel muttered in a frightened whisper he smacked his lips repeatedly shook his head in despair rushed impetuously to the door and threw it open exactly at the moment when a tall police official freeing himself from the collar of his thick sheepskin coat was in the act of entering the room but listen trochem get up etlia said in a tragic whisper the peasant raised his bloodshot face and twisting his mouth began to yell what's this the inspector roared fiercely with rolling eyes indignantly he threw his sheepskin coat into the hands of Kotzkel, who had run up to him then puffing his chest out like a wheel he strutted a few steps forward with the magnificent air of an opera colonel the peasant got up staggering and flopping against the table with his hands his body and his feet something like conscious fear flashed into his bluish swollen face your high honour he muttered shambling helplessly where he stood out suddenly thundered the inspector in such a terrible voice that the nervous Kashinsev started and huddled himself up behind his table out with you at once the peasant swung forward and feebly stretched his hands out so as to clutch and kiss authority's right hand but Kotzkel was already dragging him away to the door by the back of his collar you shouted the inspector fiercely flashing his eyes on etlia deal in vodka without a license 
you receive horse stealers be careful i'll have you run in the woman raised her shoulders in an ugly way bent her head sideways and, and with a pitiful and submissive expression closed her eyes as if she were expecting a blow from above kashintsev felt that the chain of his light agreeable and important thoughts had suddenly broken and could not be mended he felt awkward ashamed of these thoughts ashamed in his own eyes may god punish me colonel your honour etlia was swearing with passionate conviction may god strike me blind and not let me see to-morrow's daylight and my own children his honour the colonel knows himself what can i do if a drunken peasant will turn in here my husband is a sick man and i am a poor weak woman all right the inspector stopped her severely that's enough at that moment he noticed kashinzev and then and there tossing his head back with the air of a conqueror he puffed his chest out and flourished his immaculate light whiskers to right and left but suddenly a smile showed itself on his face basil basilich old crocodile this is a bit of luck he exclaimed with theatrical joviality the deuce knows how long it is since we've seen each other i beg your pardon the inspector stopped abruptly at the table i believe i have made a mistake he brought his hand up smartly to the peak of his cap gajintsev half rising did the same rather awkwardly be magnanimous and forgive me i took you for my colleague the Poichanov inspector what an absurd mistake once more i beg your pardon however you know the uniforms are so alike that in any case allow me to introduce myself the local inspector and so to speak the god of thunder Irasov pavel afenogenich kazintsev rose once more and gave his name as everything is so unusual permit me to sit near you Irisov said and again he smartly touched his cap and clicked his heels very pleased to meet you you there katzka bring me the leather case in my sledge it's underneath the seat forgive me are you going far doctor to gauziatin i've just been posted there ah in an infantry regiment there are some devilish good fellows among the officers though they drink like horses it's a scabby little town but as localities go it's residential in a way so we'll meet each other delighted and you've just begun aha a witness of the paternal reprimand that i was giving yes partly kajintsev forced himself to smile what's to be done what's to be done that's my character i like to be a little severe you know i'm no lover of all sorts of fault-finding and complaints and other absurdities of the kind i do my own punishing myself the inspector was representative as provincial ladies say a tall handsome man with smart whiskers growing sideways a la skobelev and a high white tranquil forehead his eyes were of a beautiful blue with a constant expression of languor sort of immodest unmanly capricious fatigue his whole face had a delicate even porcelain pink hue and his raspberry-coloured supple lips kept moving coquettishly and stretching themselves like two red mobile worms one could see by every indication that inspector orisov was the local beau dandy and lady-killer an ex-cavalryman probably a gambler and a hard liver who could go three days running without sleep and who never got drunk he spoke quickly and distinctly had the air of paying an exaggerated attention to the words of his interlocutor but apparently listened only to himself i am a father to them all but a strict father the inspector went on raising his finger impressively 
put the case here on the table kotchko i'm strict that's true i won't allow myself to be sat on as the others do but then i know every one of my <laughs> subjects so to speak by heart you saw that little peasant just now he's trokem a peasant from orikek and his nickname is kovost do you think that i don't know that he's a horse stealer i know perfectly well but until the right time i keep silent and one fine may morning trokem kovost will have disappeared from circulation then just look at this very kotzkel isn't he a scabby little jew and believe me i know how the rascal lives what am i not telling the truth kotzkel oh my god can his honor the inspector say what is untrue kotzkel exclaimed in servile reproach every one of us poor unhappy little jews prays constantly to god for his honor the inspector we always say among ourselves what do we want with a real father when our good beloved inspector is better to us than our own father you see the inspector said carelessly with a significant twinkle in his eye as he pointed out kotzkel over his shoulder that's the voice of the people don't worry that's how i hold them what wasn't i telling the truth what can i say to that kotzkel had shriveled he was squatting almost on his heels stretching out his hands as though pushing away from him a sort of monstrous unjust accusation we haven't time to think of anything that his honor the inspector doesn't know already beforehand you hear him the inspector said curtly help yourself said sobikevich to quote gogol he pointed to the open case won't you have some roast duck ripping duck here is vodka these are patties with fish and onions here's some rum no don't be suspicious it's real jamaican rum and even has the real smell of bugs about it and this please don't laugh at me this is chocolate a dainty for the ladies so to speak i recommend it to you it's the most nourishing thing when one's travelling i've learned that from sad experience on my ungrateful service please help yourself gajintsev politely declined the invitation but the inspector would take no refusal there was nothing for it but to drink a glass of rum which smelled of anything but rum gajintsev felt ill at ease awkward and melancholy he glanced stealthily from time to time at etlia who was talking in an animated whisper with her husband behind the counter her fantastic charm seemed to have left her something pitiful humiliated terrible in its very ordinariness was now stamped on her face but all the same it was poignantly beautiful as before ah ah that's your game is it the inspector exclaimed suddenly munching some chicken and noisily moving his moist supple lips a pretty little jewess what extraordinarily beautiful charming came involuntarily from kajintsev yes fine game but the inspector waved his hands sighed artificially and closed his eyes for a second but there's nothing doing there it's been tried it simply isn't possible it's impossible i tell you though the eyes see but there if you don't believe me i'll ask him to come at once eh Katsko? for god's sake i entreat you Kashintsev stretched his hand out imploringly and rose from the bench i implore you not to do this oh rubbish Katsko! at this minute the door opened and the new driver with his whip in his hand and his cap like the national polish headgear on his head came into the room for which of you two gentlemen are the horses for goziatin he asked but recognizing the inspector he hastily pulled off his cap and shouted in a military way we wish you health your very high honor good day iorko 
the inspector answered condescendingly but you ought to stay a little longer he said regretfully to the doctor when shall i get another chance of a chat with an intellectual man like you i'm sorry but there isn't time kajintsev said as he hurriedly buttoned his coat you know what it is yourself the service how much do i owe he paid and shivering in advance at the thought of the cold the night and the fatiguing journey he went to the door from a naive habit that he had kept since childhood or guessing the future by trifles he thought as he grasped the handle of the door if she looks at me it will come to pass what was to come to pass he did not know himself any more than he knew the name of this dullness this fatigue this sense of undefined disillusion which oppressed him but the jewess did not look round she was standing with her miraculous ancient profile illumined by the lamplight turned towards him and was busy with lowered eyes over something on the counter good-bye said kushin said as he opened the door elastic clouds of vapour rushed in from the street veiling the beautiful face and inundating the doctor with a dry cold in front of the steps stood the post-horses their heads hanging dejectedly they passed another village crossed a little river over the ice and once more the long melancholy road stretched itself out with its dead white fields to right and left Gajintsev dozed immediately the strange misleading sounds in front and behind and on both sides of the sledge began to speak and sing the band of dogs broke out in barks and yelps the human crowd murmured the children's silvery laughter rang out the little bells clattered madly pronouncing distinct words one's first duty severity severity shouted the inspector's voice Gajintsev knocked his elbow against the side of the sledge and returned to consciousness on both sides of the road were running to meet him the tall dark trunks of the pines stretching out over the road their snow-laden branches like enormous white paws among them a long way off in front there seemed to gleam stately slender columns official walls and balconies high white walls with black gothic windows fantastic outlines of some sleeping enchanted castle but the sledge turned from the winding of the road and the phantom castle transformed itself into black files of trees and arches shaped by their snowy branches where am i where am i driving to kashintsev asked himself in perplexity and fear what has just happened to me something so big so joyful so important in his memory there swam out with amazing clearness a charming feminine face a delicate outline of cheeks and chin liquid tranquilly passionate eyes a beautiful curve in the blossoming lips and suddenly the whole of his life all that had passed and all that lay in front outlined itself to him in a sad loneliness like this night journey with its boredom cold emptiness and isolation with its innervating dreamy delusions in passing the superb beauty of this unknown woman had lit up and warmed his soul had filled it with happiness with beautiful thoughts with a sweet unrest but this strip of life had already run away from him disappearing behind him and from it there was left only a memory like the light in a chance station that disappears in the distance and in front one sees no other light the horses continue the regular trot and the indifferent driver time dozes indifferently on his seat end of section fourteen End of Sasha by Alexander Kuprin.
translated by douglas ashby